You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. We preserve the history and sport of hunting through curious conversation and action-packed hunts, as well as offering you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. Hey guys, Christian Babcock here of the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. Today we're joined on the podcast by Chad Rice. He's the owner of Cruiser Saddles. You guys have probably seen something about him on YouTube or maybe at one of the trade shows that's going on right now. In this episode of the Hunter's Advantage Podcast, we talk about all things saddle hunting. And at the end, we even discuss hunting some urban bucks in Tennessee. I know you guys will enjoy this episode. Let's get into it. Everybody, thanks for coming back, watching, and listening, subscribing to the Hunter's Advantage podcast. This is Hunter's Advantage podcast episode 77. Today, we're joined by Chad Rice of Cruiser Saddles. Thanks for jumping on the podcast with me, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Christian. So you guys have been in, uh, you're in the middle of show season right now, aren't you? Just got off ATA and all that stuff. How's that going? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a grind, man. We have to do a lot of traveling, a lot of, uh, a lot of getting ready for these shows, so it's, pretty hectic you know try to i don't really have a good show crew so if you guys are listening to this and you want a job i will give you a job to travel to shows with me um but yeah so it's been it's it's a little hectic trying to find enough people to come to these shows travel on the weekends and but i mean it's fun it's a lot yeah. of fun well my buddy uh matt garris he owns uh out on a limb manufacturing he's yeah man yeah, actually that. I went to, he's a great dude. I went yeah. to college about 45 minutes away from Matt and I got to kind of see that what show season was all about. And he was leaving like every single weekend and, yeah. and doing that stuff. I was like, dude, you gotta, you gotta schedule us. I, I thought hunting season ended and they just keep going like right into show season. Oh yeah, dude. It's crazy. I mean, you, you kind of have to though. Cause you know, in, in this industry, it's, uh, you know, it's good for like the, the span of hunting season. And then after that, like, you know, sales obviously are going to die off. Nobody's worried about hunting gear anymore. So that's what we do. We go to shows and, um, try to continue to bring in some revenue, you know? Um, but it's also good networking, good to put a face to, to, to the brand. Like people can see who works for cruiser or like you said, out on a limb, they can meet you know all the guys who basically started the brand so uh, it's fun i like doing it i like interacting with people but it's like yeah it's true it's like you said you do have to schedule it out um uh i told you before we got on here uh my wife's in law school so you know that thing is uh that's a beast in itself she's all the time with her nose in a book and studying and got class so uh, we got three little kids as well, so it's pretty hectic scheduling all that, right. all the shows and everything. So um, maybe she'll, uh, maybe she'll uh, stay married to me by the time she gets <laughs> out of law school. <laughs> Who knows? It's uh, funny. Yeah. Well, I think what's cool about uh, what's cool about saddles and then coming to to shows and physically getting to see them, like I think it's one of those things you need to touch and feel and kind of experience sure. a little bit. I was one of the guys that I was using a lightweight hang on for about three or four years hunting public land. And I never got to try out a saddle until, yeah. until this year. 
um, one of my buddies that we hunt public land with, he was like, have you ever actually tried out a saddle? I know you're like anti-saddle. I was like, yeah, let, let, let me try yours. I haven't, let me try yours on. And he was like, all right, I just switched over from the tethered to the cruiser yeah. and I put it on and I ordered a saddle that week. And oh, I, the, next, the awesome, next weekend man. I was hunting on public land with a saddle. It's, it's one of those things you gotta, you gotta touch and feel. I was so anti like tree diaper until, until yeah. I finally <laughs> tried it. Yep. Yep, the old death diaper they call it. Um, yeah, man, it's uh, it's it's you know they're not all created equal. You know, um, you really got to get your hands on one and and really try one out. And that's you know that's where we're trying to build awareness of our brand as well because uh, we're really, I mean, I feel like we're different than anything else out there right now. Um, I've got a rock climbing background you know, as you've probably heard on other podcasts that I've done. Um, and it just, uh, um, I was able to put a lot of, uh, you know, that, that experience into our saddles and make it as comfortable as it is, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, it's different in my opinion. I mean, and a lot of people would probably back me up there compared to other saddles. So that's the word I keep hearing, whether it's a review or people that I actually know that own the cruiser that have hunted out of trophy line or other tethered saddles before is the word that I keep going back to is, is comfort. Like yeah. everybody has that in common in the review. I don't know any different cause I didn't shop around before I got yeah. to kind of use my buddy's experience. So I didn't have to weave through, but I felt super comfortable in my saddle like not, not much pinches and pinching my hips just felt like sure. i could sit there forever my feet were the determining factor i had nothing to do with the saddle like it was how long yeah, i could stand yeah. on my feet it wasn't this saddle's uncomfortable at all mm -hmm. yeah i'm not sure if you got one of our platforms but you know we we kind of uh we try to address that in our platform as well uh with the slanted front on the on the seeker platform uh so we knew you know yeah that's comfort is like uh, the driving factor of our brand, right? We, uh, we, it's not streamlined. It's not, um, packability or lightweight, even though it's like only a couple ounces heavier than the lightest saddle out there. Um, the main thing for us was comfort because, you know, I'm, I, I you can have a streamlined saddle and, uh, worry about that while you're walking in. But when you're walking in, I mean, what's tops you're going to be walking in an hour, maybe. Um, that's if you're going way back. Uh, to me, the most important thing is when you're in the tree, right? So if you're comfortable in the tree, you're going to stay there a long time. You're going to be less fidgety, less moving around, and you're going to probably be more successful, get busted less, you know? So that was uh that was really important to me to make a really comfortable saddle and uh you know the rock climbing background just hanging in 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 harnesses for long periods of time falling in harnesses um it just kind of uh it helped me to be able to um know exactly what i wanted in a saddle um so that's how we arrived to the XC, you know. How long have you been, How or when did you start rock climbing, would you say? Uh, I started rock climbing in 2008. 
So uh, about three years, I graduated high school in 2005, went to college, dropped out, went to work on the road, came back, ended up uh, meeting some guys that lived across the street from me uh, who used to rock climb a lot and got into rock climbing with them. They were quite a bit younger than me, but. Do you do that yeah. in Tennessee quite a bit, or do you have to travel? Yeah, to man, climb? we got to actually right here where we're at is like the sandstone capital of the South. Really? Yeah, a lot of lot of sandstone climbing here. So when did you become a saddle hunter? When did you get into the saddle game? Man, I didn't even I didn't even become a deer hunter until, um, so I had a rock climbing accident where I fell about twenty two foot and broke my right ankle pretty bad. Had to have surgery. It was like laid up for about six months and uh, kind of had to rethink, you know, climbing and whether it was smart for me to do because we had just had our first child, my wife and I, and uh, she, you know, she, she had to end up getting a full-time job. She was a stay at home mom for, you know, the first seven months of our, our daughter's, you know, uh, childhood basically. And uh, so I got hurt. She had to get a full-time job after that. I just rethought, you know, what am I doing? Climbing and high ball bouldering. That's how I fell. Um, so I just kind of reassessed the, uh, risk there and, um, really, uh, uh, just needed to focus my energy on a different hobby, you know? So bow hunting just kind of stuck, you know, I, I, my grandfather growing up, he took me hunting a few times and, uh, I don't know, man, I don't even remember how I just like got into bow hunting. I think I just like bought a bow one day and just started shooting it and um i think i asked permission on a piece of property close to my house and the guy gave me permission so yeah i didn't start bow until i was like uh let's say 25 really yeah yeah and uh shortly thereafter got into saddle hunting probably uh I would say 2016 now is when I got into saddle hunting. So you ran you ran a few other different saddles before you started making ones of your own. Uh, no, actually I didn't. Uh, really? Yeah, I tried. So I had a buddy who had the Arrow Hunter. Um, I believe it was the Evolution, like you know, straps going everywhere. <laughs> that thing was a uh, was super bulky. It was before they streamlined it, so it was more of a um take on an arborist saddle but for for deer hunters um and so i tried that and then uh you know it was just too bulky so uh we we just at that time we got on the saddle hunter forum he and i did and uh started looking at like the uh, uh what was it called the um sit drag um so i used a sit drag with my rock climbing harness there for like a couple of years and then um you know uh arrow hunter and tethered both came out with uh, a commercially available saddle in the in the style that we're we're making saddles now um and i looked at it and i was like you know i've 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 sewn up my sit drag sewn up 
like rock climbing slings in the past. I was just like, I'm, I think I can make one of these. So, um, ended up buying some material and like very poorly sewed one up and uh, it's a, it's a wonder I didn't die in that thing. Um, but I sewed that first one up, man. And it, uh, it was pretty comfortable. Uh, it wasn't great, but it was, uh, it was pretty good for what it was. Um, and then, uh, about, a after that season, I just started tinkering quite a bit cause I knew I could make one better. Um, and then like two iterations later, I came up with the XC. I just got lucky, man. I think, I think the Lord just blessed me with, you know, just put an idea in my head and it like came out, you know, um, I didn't really set out to create a company, you know, a saddle company. But I made this and and then made it for a couple friends and they would just all encourage me to, you know, go for it. And the saddle game was really brand new. Um, so I put it out there, man. And uh, good Lord blessed it, dude. I'm surprised Pretty it cool. only it only took you a couple Franken saddles to get to yeah. something that's safe and usable. I feel yeah, like I would fall out of the tree. Yeah, that's why I uh that's why I give the good Lord the credit, man, because it's like, uh, how else would you just come up with a a saddle that's as good as XC? I mean, it just, I don't know. Just got lucky, man. Blessed. Yes, for sure. Where yeah. do you start to, like, source materials to start building the saddle? Like, is it like rock climbing places or, or, no, or what? No, um, you know, honestly, I was like you. I had just, like, really lightweight lock-ons and stuff. Uh, and then I, I think I bought some really cheap steel lock-ons and, um, you know, there was a whole thread on saddlehunter.com on DIY saddles. Uh, so we kind of, we got on there and just like, um, just started tinkering with like the ideas that was going on in that thread. And, um, basically I took some of those harnesses the the lock-on harnesses and was cutting the straps up and <laughs> just set them up from that man i think i spent i think i spent like 18 bucks on that first saddle really and that was literally just buying like some mesh material off of uh uh ebay yep were you just using like a sewing machine you'd have in a closet or do you have like a yeah a... literally literally my <laughs> wife's sewing machine <laughs> yeah that's why I said it's a wonder I didn't die. I mean, uh, but I did pump that thing full of like threads. So, um, but yeah, it was a little sketchy to be honest. Yeah. To say the yeah. least. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, I think there's a lot of people probably like you and I, at least in the beginning that are still on the fence as far as maybe still using a lightweight lock on or, um, haven't got to try a saddle out yet. In your mind, what are the what are the, some of the main advantages from switching from like a lock on to to a saddle? I've made that switch this year, but I wanted to, from your perspective, what are they? Well, yeah, man. I mean, there there's a pretty steep learning curve, right, with saddle hunting. Um, and to be quite frank, I actually hated saddle hunting in the beginning, right? Um, that first year of trying a saddle out it just was 
I don't know. I didn't find it comfortable, which, you know, sit drag was not comfortable. Um, and yeah, basically the, the, the learning curve, just trying to like shoot out of the saddle, trying to figure, figure out how to maneuver, uh, you know, there wasn't any available platforms back then either. So I was hunting off a ring of steps or a top of a stick. Um, yeah, it was, it was a struggle, man. Um, but I would say, you know, so I would, I would bounce back and forth between that and like, uh, a lone wolf, um, like alpha two or assault two. I can't remember which one I had. Uh, it was the smaller of the two. Um, but yeah, I'd bounce back and forth and, and my buddy just kept encouraging me to stick with it. Cause he had been saddle hunting for, I think at least a year, uh, before I started. And, uh, you know, finally after making that first saddle, um, it was m- quite a bit more comfortable than the sit drag. So that kind of like allowed me to stick with it. So I would recommend that anybody getting into it would just, uh, put a lot of time in practicing, um, get comfortable with your system, get comfortable climbing, get comfortable shooting, um, and just really try to try to adjust, make adjustments on your saddle uh, to find the sweet spot and get comfortable. Because um, that's, I think that's the biggest deterrent of anyone who's tried saddle hunting is um, comfort, you know. And a lot of people say I, there's no way that can be comfortable. But I mean, it's like you said, you you were uh, you were kind of hesitant to get in it as well uh but then when you tried it you right you liked it it was comfortable so you know i would i would encourage anybody who's interested to try it out man find somebody who's got a saddle um come to a trade show a meetup something like that and give it a shot because it really is probably the most versatile way to get in a tree and, and, and deer hunt I remember when I first got uh, when I first got my Cruiser XC, um, I literally went on a, a telephone pole in behind my backyard, yeah. and I just hung out there on the phone for like an <clears> hour, <throat> just because one of my buddies, the one that had the, the saddle before, let me try it out. Was telling me to walk, talking me through the different tethered links, the different adjustable bridge, how that takes pressure and puts it in different places, and yeah. I just sat out there for an hour and tinkered with it just hung out hung to my right hung to my left and i felt like i learned so i learned a ton just sitting in that on that telephone pole for an hour getting comfortable yeah, man, it's you know it's really not hard it's not it's not a hard concept right it's just more than anything it's uh trusting the gear you know you got to get comfortable trusting it because you are 20 foot in the air leaning on a rope and a lot of people that scares them you know um but these you know these ropes are climbing ropes so they're they're made for that um but yeah i think that's the biggest biggest drawback to people who who have never hunted out of a saddle they're hanging off of a little thin eight to ten millimeter rope and they're like freaked out you know (laughs) I see it in their eyes at ground level. They're just like leaning back and looking at the rope. Like, is this thing going to hold me, you know? Uh, but yeah, it's, that's one thing for sure. You got to get comfortable and trust your gear. 
my main at first I was more worried about not clipping my clip into my bridge and I was going to lean back and just fall out of the tree. That was the first thing getting set up in the dark. But Mm -hmm. after I realized how tough that, that rope really is and you can literally free hang on the tree. It was just, I just had a confident confidence in it from the first set. Maybe I'm just overly optimistic or I just trust too easily, but I felt really, really confident from the jump. It just felt like it was, sturdy i guess that's the word i would use yeah yeah it is they're they're you know we build these things they could i don't recommend doing this but you could pull a vehicle out of a ditch you know i mean the things are super strong made really well um you know all of our stuff is we had a third party tested it's you know so there's nothing to worry about there i mean you know you should have a peace of mind using your gear uh, but you know, a lot of people are afraid of heights, man. And you're, it's, it's foreign to them to face the tree and lean away from the tree. I mean, it's kind of a scary, scary thing when you first do it. Um, you know, obviously I'm not, uh, I've never been scared of, well, can't say I've never been scared of heights, but I haven't been scared of heights in well over a decade, just Man, I've taken some crazy falls, rock climbing, and and been so. This is uh, twenty foot up in a tree is nothing, but it's you know for some people it's really kind of sketchy for them, you know. Yeah, my buddy was telling me that he feels more comfortable sleeping in his saddle than he does in his tree stand. I was like, dude, you're crazy. I was like, how do you sleep? He said, dude, I just put my arms across the tether. I yeah. just laying into it. I was like, yeah. with your legs locked. And he said, yeah, I was like, you're a psycho. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's honestly, you feel more secure because you're actually like leaning on something. If you fall, you're just swinging, you know? Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's right. You can definitely sleep that way. I've done it many a times. No, I'm not sure. That might be a next season exploration for me. Yeah. I, I did not try that one this year. Well, the back band that we, uh, you know, that we sell with our kits and things like that, they, uh, it helps a lot. I have your, the back band too. Yeah, That's the nice. upper torso, man, it's super sweet. Uh, I don't hardly ever use it unless I'm like out all day or like first thing in the morning, take a little siesta. <laughs> That's funny. What can you say about, um, the added shot angles that you get from hunting out of a saddle, that has been one of the biggest advantages that I've seen. What are your thoughts on that? Oh yeah, man. I, uh, you know, I, I didn't spend a ton of time hunting out of tree stands, uh, you know, at least a year out of like a climber and a lightweight lock on. Um, but yeah, it would always, the tree would always get in your way. You know, if a deer came in from behind, uh, you'd have to turn around and just even like, uh, shot form, you can't really lean over and keep like good archery form out of a stand. So, you know, there's greater potential there to, to miss because your anchor points and things like that are off. Um, but I would say with the saddle, man, you're because you're already leaning into your lifeline, your tether, um, you're able to basically get any shot angle you want around the tree, uh, especially if you're using like a platform. Um, 
what I always tell people is, you know, because when they first get into a saddle and try to shoot out of it, they're, um, they're trying to keep their legs straight and just kind of lean back and rotate themselves around the tree. And they'll always kind of like lose balance and swing whichever direction they're going. Right. So I always tell people, you know, uh, instead of doing that, drop your lead knee into the tree, whichever direction you're going, put that knee into the tree and both feet on the platform. You got three anchor points and you can just, I mean, it makes you super stable. Um, and then being able to lean over and, and rotate your hips and things like that, you're able to keep really good shooting form, archery form. And, uh, I've, I've shot out of the saddle. I've shot some funky angles out of the saddle that I would never have been able to do off of a, off of a tree stand. Cause I would have just fallen off the platform, you know? Um, it's really it's super versatile as far as shooting. Yeah. Well, I used to only be able to shoot like 180 degrees with a tree mm -hmm. stand, right? You can shoot on either side of you. Obviously, you got to pivot and shoot if you're shooting out of a tree stand. But like my third week, we were hunting in southeast Oklahoma on some public land. It's like day two of the hunt. I'm hunting out of my saddle. And yeah. I told myself I'm getting out of the tree at 10. <clears throat> and it's 947. I, I'd already drank one Red Bull. And I was like, I got another Red Bull sitting in my sides pouch in my bag. I was like, I'm going to, you know, let my tethered out and kind of get my knees up in my chest against the tree and just kind of hang out for a little bit these last 13 minutes. So I grabbed my Red Bull and I'm chugging this Red Bull and I lean out to my right and there's like a Pope and Young buck right walking straight at me. Nice. And I look up and my bow's like six feet above my head because I'm like all the way down and I'm like, yeah. oh God. And uh, my buddies had told me about putting that tether across that shoulder and being able to rotate for that offside shot. Yeah. I grabbed sure. my bow and I fed it under that tether with my knees in my chest. I put both foot feet on the platform and I leaned out and I felt myself start to sway. I was like, I got it. Leaned all the way out, knees in my chest, drew back and shot that deer at 27 yards. That is and crazy. I was like, that deer would have been direct directly behind me in a tree stand. Mm -hmm. Never would have got a shot off. But because yeah. of that saddle, I'm hanging off the tree. If someone would have walked up and saw me hanging off the tree like a monkey right there, <laughs> yeah, exactly. they would have been like, dude, there's some crazy guy in the woods. But it yeah. it was I was a believer right there. First deer out of the saddle. Yeah, man. It's that's what I'm saying. I did the exact same thing on a doe this year that you just described. I mean, I was almost out at like a 45 angle leaning into my tether, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah, you're not going to do that in any other elevated hunting system. So, uh, you know, it's really super versatile, you know? Uh, you can shoot at any angle, any direction. Um, it's really just about what you're comfortable doing. Yep. Do you practice quite a bit out of your shooting out of your saddle on, on your platform or, or no? Uh, no, I don't actually, <laughs> I should practice a lot more, but I do not. Um, honestly, uh, I'm just shooting in the yard a lot. You know, uh, I don't really have any trees in my yard, unfortunately. Um, so I don't really hang out of the saddle and shoot much. Um, we are uh, we are actually looking at moving pretty soon, so I'm 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 hoping to find a house that has some trees in the backyard, so I can start doing that. But uh, no, nah, man, I don't. I you know I I should definitely be practicing more, but you know this the last couple of seasons I've just been 
you guys have all kept me so busy, man. I can't really do much else. Uh, can't do as much practicing shooting as I want, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's bit me a couple of times. I'll be honest. Yeah. But it's, uh, part of it, right? Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So another cool thing I, I thought, uh, was be worth talking about is can you talk about a little bit of the safety aspect that the saddle brings from getting up into the tree and actually being in the tree versus traditional just hunting? Uh, yeah. So, you know, the saddle is, uh, essentially your safety harness and your tree stand built in one, all in one package. Um, you know, we, we, you know, everybody in the industry, um, well, I can't say everybody, but most everyone in the industry, all the, all the big, big saddle makers, manufacturers are third party tested and carry liability insurance you know so um that's something to think about when you're purchasing your your saddle um you definitely want to probably go with someone who's doing that because uh they've got your best interest and safety in mind um but as far as the difference between a, a saddle and you know a regular say a climbing stand or a lightweight lock on uh, you know, you have to wear a harness, uh, you, you have to wear the saddle, which is essentially your safety harness all built into one. Uh, and you know, there's guys out there that don't wear safety harnesses in, in, in climbing stands and lock-ons, uh, which is crazy, you know, but it's, it's, so that's one way that it's making it safer right off the bat. Um, and then having the connection point directly in front of you uh, allows for easier recovery if you do fall. Um, and you know, just the gear itself, the ropes themselves are quite a bit better than what you would get in any sort of lifeline from a lock on company. Uh, most of us are all using climbing rated ropes, rescue ropes, uh, things of that nature. Um, and then you have to, you know, before you're always tethered into the tree. So, I mean, you're not going anywhere. Like I said, it's you, it's your safety harness and tree stand all built into one. So. When Matt was trying to talk me into getting a saddle, he was his one of his big selling points was from the moment your feet step off the ground, you're hooked onto the tree, whether it's your lineman's mm -hmm. rope going around or your tether being on the tree. And when you're getting in your platform, it's both, right? You're temporarily hooked up to both. And exactly. I was, that made sense to me because beforehand when I was just climbing sticks in my lightweight lock on, I wasn't running a lineman's belt around the tree. I was just, you know, climbing up the sticks. And once I finally got hooked up to the tree, I was getting hooked up. But in this scenario, you're hooked up the whole way up. And that gives me some sort of peace of mind. Yeah. I mean, the, the lineman belt is not going to keep you from falling out of the tree. Uh, ask me how I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've fallen about 12 feet on my lineman rope. Uh, but, you know, one thing I didn't do was free fall. I kind of rode the tree down. Um, and, you know, you're going to get scrapes and bruises and things like that if you fall. But you're not falling through the air and landing and breaking bones. You know what I mean? It's, it's different. Uh, so 
being connected to the, to the tree from the ground up is automatically safer than just, I mean, we've all been guilty of it. We walk out to a, a pre-hung ladder set up and just climb the thing and then step over onto the platform. And then maybe if you are wearing a harness, then you hook it into the, into the lifeline. Right. So uh, with a saddle, you have to kind of, I mean, that can still be done. If you're doing presets, which I don't, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't recommend it. Always, you always need to be hooked to the tree, man. You're, you're talking about your life on the line. You know, your family wants you home safe. So please, you know, use the proper safety equipment and climbing equipment. But, um, yeah, it's just being hooked to the tree all the way up, man. It's obviously safer. So. I like having the the pouches on the side of the saddle as well because mm-hmm. I can just I just stuff my lineman's rope in there too and it's always hooked up to my saddle so I've never I've had people leave their harnesses at the truck or leave it in the last set that they set up they're like uh, and they don't have it and I always have my stuff yeah man it's uh, I do the exact same thing so always leave it girth hitched to the lineman loop and just stuffs right into the dump pouch. What can you say about the ropes? I, I've re- read some of the the poundage rating, and I actually watched on your YouTube of you trying to break the one where you actually yeah. r- broke the hitch or whatever you were trying to use. But oh, yeah. what can you say about the poundage, the rating, the safety factors of the rope that you guys are using? Uh, so currently we're using Tufelberger Rest Tech, which is a eight millimeter. Um, it's just a static line, but it's it's made of uh, uh, Technora and I believe nylon core. Uh, but the Technora is pretty much the same thing as Kevlar uh, or like a, what firemen's suits are made of, basically. It's just an aramid fiber that's super strong, uh, cut resistant, and heat resistant. So... Uh, you know, that sheathing is made of that aramid fiber and then you have a nylon core on that rope and then uh, another strand of aramid fiber running through that, which makes that, uh, you know, for an eight millimeter rope brings the rating up to like 5,200 pounds, which, you know, the, the, the average build man, like two, well, not average, but 250 pound man, uh, falling at six feet can generate up to 2000 pounds of force uh and even more at times so uh you know you got a you got a really high factor of safety there with those ropes um it's not gonna it's not gonna be fun falling on the ropes at six feet but i mean you're not you know you're not you're not gonna break those ropes ever man they're super strong um and then our bridge is made of uh am steel which is uh basically like a maritime rope um and it's pound for pound the strongest fiber on the planet. Um, uh, our bridge is rated at, I believe, 7,700 pounds. What makes crazy. Amsteel so, I mean, I hear everybody hears about Amsteel. What makes it so strong? So it's actually like a, a I forget, it's like a Dyneema fiber. Uh, so it's a, some sort of synthetic fiber. I can't remember exactly what the name of it is. Um, I can look it up, but um, it's it's just a it's a man-made fiber uh, that is uh, 
it's just each fiber is super strong. Uh, I don't, I don't know. They just engineer it to be the strongest light, most lightweight rope on the, on the planet basically. Uh, but there's just like a ton of like small little strands of fibers. And then the rope we use is 12 strand, uh, hollow braid. So you got 12 strands of this rope that has all these hundreds of thousands of fibers in it. Um, but yeah, man, it's a good question. I'm not, I, I, I've looked, I, I knew that answer at one point in time, but man, it's just, we got so much going on stuff. I got to remember. I don't yeah. even know the prices of some of our stuff. When people will call and I'll be like, ah, oh, let me look that up for you. I don't remember. It's only so much that I can hold up here. No, I'm with you. Yeah. No, that's just, that's one of those buzzwords. I hear, I hear Amsteel all the time and, I never really took the time to kind of think, what, what does that actually mean? Yeah, so Am Still actually is a, a, a trademarked name of um, like a Dyneema rope. Um, and that's by uh, Samson, Samson Rope, uh, trademarked Am Still. So actually, when people say Amsteel, it's actually a name brand of a, a Dyneema rope from Samson Ropes. So it's like, give, give me a Kleenex or, or whatever that is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got gotcha. you. Exactly. Yep. So do you have a, a a favorite saddle hunting story since you've been saddle hunting for, you know, five, six, seven years now? Is there one that, that sticks out? I don't know. Not off the top of my head, man. Um, no, man. Uh, I, one time that probably that time I fell out of the tree, man. Uh, <laughs> honestly, uh, I was on some, uh, like some fold over steps. I'm not going to name them, but, um, was leaning over to, uh, basically grab my bow rope and pull it up and one of those steps shifted on me and i just kind of fell off the side and rode the tree all the way down um yeah man i don't know uh just i made some crazy shots out of the saddle before like i was telling you earlier the the 45 degree angle of the rope over my back i'm just like leaned <laughs> over I mean, I'm sure I'll, if, if you saddle hunt long enough, you're going to get into situations like that. But, um, yeah, I don't have any crazy stories, to be honest. Um, I'll really try to put myself into crazy situations. But I'm uh, trying to, I'm trying to get some more normal, just saddle shots out of mine after having a funky shot for my first ever one this year. <clears throat> yeah, they'll come, man. Um, I don't know. I'm probably one of the worst archers you'll ever meet, dude. I've missed so many deer. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I saw you interviewed Tyler and Casey, man. And I tell those guys all the time, but I'm like, man, I missed this buck over his back again. Like, I got a deer in my neighborhood that I've been hunting for two years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this year he was seven years old. And I shot over his back. Um, shot over his back last year so uh 
should probably practice more, huh? <laughs> <laughs> if you bow hunt long enough, you're going to miss. I mean, some seasons you don't miss at all, and then there's seasons where you miss four or five times, and you're like, I should yeah. really find another hobby. Yeah, exactly. Just want to throw your bow out of the tree and just give it all up, right? Yeah, I've had to sell some bows because some bad mojo on them. I swear they were cursed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, I got rid of that bow that I missed that deer twice with. I was like, man, I'm getting rid of this thing. Uh, it was a V3, actually, with the 27-inch axle to axle. Mm-hmm. I was just like, you know, I, I, I got the V3X this year when the 29. Um. And I just shoot it way better. That that short axle to axle, man, is a little unforgiving in my opinion. So, do you have a longer draw? What's your draw length? No, I got a shorter draw. Uh, my twenty eight and a half, or probably okay. that's probably pretty normal. average. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I shot the so I shot the triax for three years, and it yeah. was twenty eight inches, but mm-hmm. I had a thirty and a half inch draw. And oh, yeah. that string angle was so steep in that thing. And I, I shot it because I, I bought it brand new. So I shot it for three seasons, but I switched yeah. to a 34 inch bow this year. And I feel like that helped me quite a bit just to be oh, more yeah. comfortable. Yep. But I will say my triax, it ripped them a lot harder than the bow I'm shooting now, but it doesn't matter. Shoot? For, I shoot a prime Nexus four now. Prime Nexus four. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I got buddies that still shoot the V3 and the V3X mm-hmm. and, It'll rip them, but I, I need to yeah. be comfortable. Yeah, no, I feel you, man. Uh, before I got got that V3, I was shooting the uh, the Hoyt Carbon Defiant. So that's like a 32-inch mm-hmm. bow, I believe. So um, pretty pretty steep difference from going from like a 32-inch to like a 27. Oh, yeah. So that's probably uh, – I just – and not practicing enough, dude. It's something stupid, you know. Something that could have been preventable, but here I am. That deer's still alive. So. <laughs> it is what it is. It's always next year. <laughs> right? Yep. Hopefully. Yeah. Maybe not for that deer. Who I shot a seven and a half year old deer this year. And nice. That uh that amazes me they can live that long. And this deer looks so weathered. It's it just looked like he had lived ten lifetimes. Yeah. I don't I don't know how they make it seven and a half. I'll send you a picture of this deer I'm talking about when we get off here, but it's uh I don't think he's ever been hunted. He's in a neighborhood. I live in the middle of town. Mm-hmm. And like my neighbor's got 40 acres over here close to me. And uh, I was driving to the shop one morning and this deer ran across the road in front of me. My jaw just kind of hit the floor. And I was like, I cannot believe this deer is in my neighborhood right now in the middle of town. Um, but I just got a wild hair and went and knocked on his door. And he's like, he's like, man, you know, I- I've let people hunt here before, but nobody's hunting now. He said, uh, I got a lot of coyotes. If you'll come kill a few, I'll let you, I'll let you deer hunt. And, uh, deal. I think that year I killed four coyotes for him. That's awesome. They do. They're running around like thick over here, but, um, yeah. And then ended up seeing probably, uh, two more Pope and young deer in, in this neighborhood. There's there's pretty sweet spot, man. Dude, those urban deer will get big too. I was, uh, so we used to live in Austin. We live in Fort Worth now, but I was running down the street one time and it was dark, but they had the street lights up and I kind of felt like somebody was watching me for some reason. And I looked over to my right and I, not five, six feet away, there was 130 inch eight point just staring at me. He probably weighed 80 pounds, his body, but his horns was huge and he was in velvet. And I was like, 
I, I bet you if I could reach out there and touch him, he'd just stand there. There's, yeah. They get huge in town. I don't know why yeah. it is, but they just get big. Like the Seek One guys, man, they kill giants. Yep, yep. Um, I got a buddy who hunts in uh, suburbs of uh, Memphis, dude, and they're so he showed me some pictures. There's some giants there too. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Like, there's just no pressure for these city deer. So, um, you know, it's tough to get on them too, because most of the time they're just running around like one acre tracks in people's backyards, right? Just a bunch of like one, two acre tracks that are all connected. So, you might only get permission on like one or two of those tracks of land, and then it's got to get lucky for them to come through, man. Um, I just got lucky that my neighbor over here has got 40 acres. So, um, I've seen a lot of deer come through there. A lot of good bucks, but that one is crazy. It's crazy that he's living there or close to there. I'd be worried about shooting one and you got a bigger track with 40 acres, but running in some lady's yard who doesn't like hunting and getting the cops called on me. That'd be my luck. Yeah. Luckily in Tennessee, you can just call a warden and they'll come fetch the deer for you. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, pretty sweet. So before uh, before we wrap up, what a uh, what can you can you tell the audience a little bit about? I know you get we talked about some saddles. What other what other products do you have uh, for sale right now and for Cruiser and and what all do you guys got going on right now? Uh, well, we're uh, we're developing obviously we dropped a new platform uh at the ata show there uh so we're we're working out a few kinks in the design there um and we should be ha- should be getting it on the market within the next uh month i would say um hit hit a hit a bit of a design flaw there in in uh third party testing but we got that taken care of so that'll be on the market pretty soon. Uh, we've got a set of climbing sticks in development. Um, really excited about those. Something that's uh, going to be, I hate to use this word, but a, sort of a game changer. Um, <laughs> the word. Such a cliche word, right? Uh, but, I mean, these are, the, they're, I'm really excited about them, man. Really excited to get them out there. Um, and then we've got uh, a few accessories that we're working on. Um, uh, probably going to be trying to get a, uh, a little bit of a pack out there for, for the platforms. Uh, people don't like our dump pouches for some reason. So we are making some new dump pouches. Um, and then we might, uh, we, we got a lot of things that we want to do, right. But we're, we're a small company, so it's, we, we can only have so many irons in the fire. So, um, main focus is the sticks this year and uh the platforms um and trying to keep the platforms in stock we had a bit of a manufacturing issue last year with the with the supplier um but we've switched suppliers so uh well manufacturers for the platform so those should be in stock here next week and should stay in stock um through the season hopefully um yeah i think that's about it man then we're going to focus on show season obviously uh and then and then do some out-of-state hunting here uh 
come fall time. Got got sounds... a few trips lined up. So. What do you got lined up so far? Uh, so we're gonna head out to South Dakota for the opener. Um, uh, gonna head up to Illinois uh, sometime in November. Uh, probably like that first week of November there. Um, got some buddies that got a lease up there. Um, probably hit up some Alabama spots in late season and then just focus on Tennessee for the rest of rest of the year. If I'm able to, I don't know how busy we're going to be this year. Hopefully, uh, hopefully busy, you know, it's catch 22 there, man. Yeah. most of the time we're so busy that I can't really get a ton of hunting in. So just got to plan for those trips. And then, uh, you know, the wife being in law school, a lot of her exams fall in right in November. So, um, this year kind of plagued my November and to get to hunt a ton in November. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So South Dakota, Illinois, and then Tennessee, and then some late season Alabama. Those guys get to hunt until February, so lucky dogs. Yeah, that is pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, it sounds like between the company and, and hunting you and the kids and law school and all of it, you got yeah. plenty going on. I really That's admire the stuff you guys are doing. Um, if people uh, want to connect with you or connect with Cruiser or buy a saddle or a platform, where can they do that? Yeah, you can hit us up on – Facebook or Instagram uh, at Cruiser Saddles. And then the website is www.cruiser.shop or www.cruisersaddles.com. Yes, sir. Chad, thanks for jumping on late with me here. I know we've been trying to do this for a while, but yeah, man, I really enjoyed it. We'll do it again sometime and send me a picture of that buck. Yeah, buddy, I will for sure. Thanks for having me on, Christian. Yeah, no problem. Take it easy, man. Thank you guys so much for checking out the Hunter's Advantage podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you in the next episode.